Hey, everybody, we are GFBS. We're Graham Fork's best source. You ever heard of Rob Horkin? He's on the show today. If you haven't heard of him, maybe you've heard of a guy called Ernie the Angler. Yeah, I think they know each other. We'll be talking with him in just a couple of minutes. By the way, your show today is brought to you by Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Want an oil change in a hurry? This is not a dream when you go to Valvoline Instant Oil Change in Grand Forks. Heck, you can sit in your car while they change your oil. It's that fast, and you don't even need an appointment. And make sure to register for free tickets for the toughest monster truck tour coming to Grand Forks April 22nd at the Alara Center and pick up free pit passes, too. Be watching for one of these awesome trucks beforehand at Valvoline Instant Oil Change. Oil changes and more done fast so that you can get on with your day at Valvoline Instant Oil Change. 3325 South 38th Street or call 701-780-8462 and make sure to tell them that Grand Fork's best source sent you. And by the way, Valvoline Instant Oil Change, uh, they're going to be drawing for free tickets to the Monster Trucks this Thursday afternoon. And uh, you know what? Stop by Valvoline Instant Oil Change parking lot Friday. Uh, you can see a couple of these Monster Trucks live and in person. Any questions or comments for Rob or myself, our number is 701-213-0863, 701-213-0863. Feel free to call or text that number. Uh, I'm hoping we get some people here texting. Uh, before we get too much further into the show, let's do it. It's time for our daily segment called Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. Here we go. Jokes My Neighbor Tells Me. Uh, what do you get when you cross a fishing lure with a gym sock? What do you get when you cross a fishing lure with a gym sock? A hook Line and stinker. Uh, Dale didn't like that one. I don't think Rob did either. Okay, how about this one? Uh, funny how a fisherman can sit for hours staring at a bobber without moving, without talking, without catching fish. But I tell you what, you wait five minutes for your wife to get ready to go anywhere. It's horrible, horrible. He didn't like that one either. All right. My jokes really suck today. Rob Horkin, how are you? I am terrific, John. <laughs> My jokes were horrible, weren't they? <laughs> uh, they were. I've heard worse. <laughs> how have you been? I've been great. Good, good. What have you been up to all winter? Well, just waiting for spring to come. Yeah, yes. Primarily. I, I did do a little bit of ice fishing uh, with a friend down around Wilmer. Oh. And we did really, really well on the crappies. Oh, you know, in my opinion, you know, everybody around here, it's walleye, walleye, walleye. People look at me kind of weird when I say I prefer cold water crappie. I actually think crappie is better tasting than walleye. Not everybody agrees with me, but what do you think? I do. And, uh, you know, the gentleman that I fish with is a retired doctor. Okay. And uh, he doesn't even care about walleyes. Really? He's he's in in our mindset that, you know, a good good ice-fished crappie is... Is way better, and I totally agree. I lived out in the West Coast for a while, and I hung around with some fishermen, um, and, and we did a lot of fishing out there. But their dream fishing trip was to come up here, say Devil's Lake, uh, Lake of the Woods, whatever. But their dream fishing trip was to come up here and fish for walleyes. And I told him, I said, you know what? I said walleye is fun; they're really good, but nothing beats a crappie. And I don't think he, uh, I don't think he wanted to hear that. I uh, ever heard the story of the one-armed fisherman? <laughs> he caught a fish this big. <laughs> that that that's a pretty good one there. I'll give him a little bit of a laugh. Um, <laughs> all right. So okay, before we get into the story of Rob Horkin here, um, you know, a lot of people maybe they don't realize what you did. Uh, you were in the television business for a long time, but um, tell us about yourself. And I don't want to know about your work yet. I did, I want to hear about. Let's hear a little bit about Rob Horkin. Okay, well, uh, born and raised in East Grand Forks, uh, went to school 12 years at Sacred Heart, and uh, really had a very good experience mm-hmm. there. You know, a lot of people tell stories about, you know, how mean the nuns were and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. We were really fortunate in that we had nuns who really noticed a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And one of them was when I was in second grade, uh, I believe it was Sister Callista. Um, realized that I was not reading up to par. Okay. And uh, she got a tutor involved, and uh, the tutor met with my mother and I and uh, basically found out that I had an interest in uh, in hunting and fishing. Okay. And uh, the tutor said, get as many magazines and books and stuff like that as you can, 
read them, read them to him and have him read them back to you. And it wasn't no time, and I was reading right up to snuff with everybody else. You know, do you think it's just because when we're that young, it's hard to stay interested? Um, you know, I to this day still have the attention span of a large fly. Uh, but back in school, it wasn't that easy. And, and do you think it was like, okay, now this is stuff I'm interested in. I'm going to soak this in. And sometimes that's all it takes. I don't want to hear about Edgar Allan Poe or whatever, whatever, when I'm in third grade. I want to, you know, but is that, you think that's what it was? Oh, oh without a doubt. And part of it was that um, my dad died when I was about a year and three months old. Oh, okay. And so it was my mom, my brother, and I, and uh, didn't really have anybody to expose me to the outdoors other than wandering down by the river and uh, watching people fish. And uh, I thought, you know what, this is is what I want to learn about. Yeah. And to this day, John, I think that... uh, Probably about ninety percent of what I what I learned about fishing, I learned by reading about it. Right, and to this day, Rob, you're still wearing you're wearing a shirt with the shoulder pad on it for for shotgunning and things like that. Yeah, and and how you say that that, that I, I was kind of in the same um, deal as you. Uh, my mom and dad were divorced when I was a very young child. Um, my dad was not an outdoorsman, not a fisherman, not a hunter, none of that stuff. Uh, but my grandfather was, and my grandfather, God bless him. Um, he's the one that took me and put me through gun training and took me fishing and taught me how to fish and hunt and be an outdoorsman. And it's something that you try to instill and pass on, you know, to your kids. I, I tried, I, I, my kid, he's, he's 36 now. I have a couple of grandkids, put him through gun training, bought him his first shotgun. We went uh, sharp tail hunting. I used to have a dog, a good bird dog. And we kicked up a covey of Sharpies and, um, one avid hunter who had been hunting for many, many, many years took two shots, missed. My kid pulled up, takes one shot, drops a bird. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, he's hooked. Never picked up a gun again. Really? Never picked up a gun again. That was when he was 12, and he's 36 now. Long story short, it's just it's not for everybody. No, it's not. I mean, you know, my wife, we, we used to argue about this all the time uh, because I used to hunt everything and anything I could. Not so much now, but... They, they seem to think we're in the killing part of it, and that's not it. I tell you the truth, you give me two inches of snow on the ground and sitting in a tree stand for five hours, eight hours, it's like reading a book to yeah. me. Uh, if I don't pull the trigger, I still have a great time out there. And a lot of people don't realize that. Even a bad, you know, you hear the saying, bad day fishing still beats a good day of work. I agree 100%. Totally. Yeah. I mean, nobody bugs you when you're out in the boat. You know, it's just you and the boat and whatever's biting or not biting. Well, I am, I am really blessed with uh, the person I married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my wife absolutely loves to have fish for breakfast. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, 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 and she'll say the night before, she'll say, you know what? Get up early, go out and catch some fish, mm-hmm. and don't come back until you have enough for breakfast. <laughs> Sometimes we have breakfast about 3 o'clock. All right, I'll see you Tuesday. (laughs) You know, my wife is a similar. um, She loves, allows me to hunt and fish as much as I want, and and she loves to fish with us or with me, but I... I've been so much into the catfishing thing lately that she's kind of getting fed up with it. She's like, when are we ever going to go catch some fish we can eat? You know, because I I, I won't eat catfish. Um, I I guess I, I, I just don't want to. Um, I love catching them so much, and I know how long it takes for them to grow. But the few walleyes I've caught on the red we have, but uh, she's really been bugging me a lot about getting out and doing some walleye fishing again. Now, you went to Moorhead State? Yes. And and what was your major? Well, my major was speech, rhetoric, and public address. Oh, wow. I've <laughs> never heard of that for a major. Speech, rhetoric, and public address. Right, and then I had an area of concentration in uh, mass comm. Okay. But... My my goal in life was to become a speech analyst for for a network. Oh, you know, one of those smart reporter type guys yeah, yeah. who said, "Well, you know, uh, the speech the president uh, made today really didn't hit the mark." You can break it down, yeah. yeah. And it was really a fascinating study. Sure. Um, but you know, at the time, you probably know this. Back in the early seventies. Starting salary for a reporter was about four thousand dollars, <laughs> yeah. and I mean we envied the uh, elementary school teachers that were starting at like six thousand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so 
I got into sales and just kind of stayed there ever since. Now, your first job out of college, was it in TV? Nope. Oh, okay. So walk me through those that period. Oh, goodness sake. I've sold everything from soup to nuts, John. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know that. Yep. Started out living in Jamestown, North Dakota. Okay. And uh, nothing against Jamestown, but it was very difficult to make friends there. Okay. It was like, you know, unless you're born and raised here, yep, you're going gonna to have trouble. Mm-hmm. So I was selling specialty advertising at the time and covering about half of the state of North Dakota. And uh, after that, I, I went to work selling farm equipment in Crookston. Wow. And after that, I said, I need something just a little bit more normal. Yeah. Yep. So um, I went to work at my old high school job at Valley Lumber Company in East Grand Forks, doing bids and stuff sure. like that. And uh, then the opportunity came about to become a partner in Scott's Music Store, which was downtown Grand Forks. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I stayed there until uh, a TV opportunity came up, and uh, I said, you know what? This is what I want to do. Yeah. And after 25 years, it's still yeah. basically what I wanted to do. Sure. Are, are you musically inclined? Are you, do you play any instruments? Are you a singer or anything like that? <laughs> well, I like to think I'm a singer, but yeah. my... my <laughs> My background is the accordion. Okay. <laughs> hey, there's nothing. Do you still play the accordion? Oh, you know, I'll pick it up about once or twice a year. No kidding. I, I still still remember the same two songs sure, that I always sure. do. So. Yeah, it's like me. I got this beautiful acoustic jumbo bass guitar, ah. and it looks just incredible sitting on a stand in the corner of my basement uh, in my man cave because I haven't picked it up in probably 8, 10 years. It, yeah. it, the poor lonely thing. Uh, I never knew that about the music store with you. I it, That completely... This is why I wanted to get you in here. Yeah. I think there's so many things we don't know about you. So then you... After that, you get out because... And you had mentioned, you know, you move anywhere to a mall, they don't close su- Saturday and Sundays. So that right. means you're going to be stuck working and nobody wants to work seven days a week all the time and i get that but so then do you go to television sales from there yes okay and did you just start it out as did they give you a good uh did you have a good client list or was that not that big of a thing back then you know i actually did have a pretty a pretty starting account list Mm -hmm. you know so many people you know, the boss throws them in the phone book and says, anybody yeah. who's not on a list, you can call them. And they don't last. No. And uh, so I was fortunate. I had some pretty darn good accounts, and I developed some good accounts, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, a lot of them through, you know, Ernie the Angler types of stuff. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, I had accounts like Wise Floral, mm-hmm. where I got my wife Well, involved. you had your ins there, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, she absolutely hated to be in commercials. <laughs> I mean, my wife's the same way. It's like she wouldn't even call in using her real name. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, it was just, uh, it was an awful lot of fun developing business. Uh And, you know, whenever I'd I'd start with a new client, uh, I would try recommend, uh, well, even old clients for that matter, you always try to recommend stuff that you feel will work, Mm -hmm. you know, to grow, to grow the business. And, uh, I'd always tell clients, I'd say, you know what? When I meet you on the street, I want to be able to say, hi, Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have you say, hi, Rob. How's it going? Yes. You know, uh, I, I don't want people to say, oh, there's that jerk that stole my $500. Yeah. And, and, and you know, Rob, sales has changed so much over the years. Um, when I first went back, when I first got into radio back in the early 80s, uh, it was very common um, for the salesman to either do a morning show and then go do their sales or whatever, but you didn't see him for the rest of the day, not all the time. Um, but back in the day, you could, go, you could go make a deal at a bar or a restaurant. You could go make a deal on the golf course. You could go make a deal in the fishing boat. Yep. Nowadays, when I got out of radio a few years ago, oh my goodness, it was not like that. You better check in. You better check out. I need to know where you're at 24-7. I should be able to email you, text you, and call you whenever I want. That's when things started to change. And and it's almost too bad because there's a lot of good salespeople out there that maybe got turned off by that and said, you know what, I'm just going to stop doing this stuff. It's changed tremendously. Oh, it really has. And, you know, you reminded me of uh, 
one of the last times that I, I, I spoke to a class out at uh, UND. Mm -hmm. It's a journalist class. And uh, I got in and I said, so how many of you people read the Grand Forks Herald this morning? Not a single hand went up. I said, how many of you uh, watched the 6 o'clock news last night? Not a single hand mm -hmm. went up. How about the 10 o'clock news? Not a single hand. And they were getting all of their news from the Internet. Oh, sure, sure. And, you know, I've been retired for nine years, <laughs> and I think I got out at just exactly the right time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because people were still watching television, maybe maybe not students. Yep. Um, but anyway, it was uh, a retirement at just the right time, I think. You know, and, and I'm going to tell you this right now, Rob, that's one of the reasons why we created Grand Fork's Best Source, because DAY, DAZ moved. The Herald, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm so mixed emotionally when it comes to talking about local media because uh, the Herald, I a big fan. Uh, I think they have some incredible writers when they're right. Right, <laughs> um, right. But now when you get, I, I'm, all, we, we're on, on the computers all day long. I don't like it. I, I like having a physical newspaper in my hand. I, I like too. getting up at 6 a.m. and watching the local news. That's what I do, but... When you're in radio or television, that's what you do. You got to be up on the times. You need to you need to be up on everything. But now you get a paper that's actually printed two days a week. How many times that paper did not make it to Grand Forks this winter because it gets shipped from Detroit Lakes through Fargo to Grand Forks, and it's now well look how many times the interstate was closed. Long story short, we don't have anything local anymore. No, nope, and, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make up for what you guys used to do, and and. I absolutely couldn't wait for six for the six o'clock news. Very rarely did I stay up for the ten o'clock news, but you try to get everything you can in, and 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 it, it's just too bad. A, a town the size of Grand Forks should have a little bit more than that. Oh, without a doubt, it just drives me crazy, and I'm still kind of bitter about it. John. Yeah, you know? I'm very bitter about it, and and you know I'm the one that that's trashing our newspaper and I'm trashing our local whatever we have for media that's left anymore, but. It's ridiculous. Uh, I, you see the newspapers are closing down all around the country now. Same with radio. Radio is not the same. And everything's getting... Uh, I, we don't want to hear about Fargo. No. Nope. You know, when I get up at 6 a.m., I want to hear about the Grand Forks and the East Grand Forks news. I don't give a crap about Fargo anymore. Exactly. Because that's all they're doing is, is filling us full of Fargo stuff. Um, your days in television... Uh, you were general manager. Yep. Uh, did he? How did you work your way up? And, and explain the, the the process and the steps. Well, I started in sales, and I was just in sales for probably about oh, I don't know, maybe about ten, twelve years. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I developed the Ernie the Angler character at that time. During that time, okay. And uh, then in gosh, I can't even remember the year anymore. But I did leave the station for about two years. Started a small advertising agency that I really, really enjoyed okay. working with. I didn't know that either. I, I worked with just small accounts. Uh huh. And uh, then uh, the sales manager at the station, Jack Eisenzimmer, decided yep. to, to move on. And uh, it was probably an hour later when the station manager, Bob Kerr, called me and said, We need to do lunch. So, anyway, we did lunch and he laid out a plan for me to be the sales manager there, and I accepted the terms. And then when Bob decided to retire a number of years later, um, I was offered the, the manager position uh, from the folks in Fargo. Well, you know, that is the next logical step. You usually go from sales manager to GM. Now, is that how you met Derek? Did exactly. you hire him? No. Actually, okay. when, when I came back after my little two-year hiatus, mm -hmm. Uh, he was already working there. Okay. And uh, Brad was in sales for me and, and did a fine job. Mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> that lasted for about 10 years. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, Brad uh, would, would always talk fishing. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, we had an employee at the station who said, if I had two days to live... I would start talking to Brad Durick because it would feel like two weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, there. there. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
So anyway, Brad and I became very, very mm-hmm. good friends, and I actually introduced Brad to catfishing. Yep, yeah, I, I kind of knew that. Yeah, and it was kind of a funny story because we went out after work one night, uh-huh. and I said, Brad, here's the scoop. I've got the boat. I've got the uh, rods and reels. I've got the bait. You bring the refreshments. Yep, yep. So we're out there, and it's a beautiful evening, and uh, I said, Brad... I think I'm ready for one of those refreshments. And he looked me right in the eye and he said, Pepsi or Mountain Dew? Oh, boy. I said, get out of my boat. (laughs) (laughs) Pepsi or Mountain Dew? He changed. He did change. But, you know, I mean, he he has become, I I think, one of the best guides in the country. Oh, hands down. I mean, uh, from everything that... uh, that I've read of his. And, yeah, uh, and if you are a channel cat fisherman, it doesn't matter where you live in the United States or North America, you've probably heard of Brad Durick. Yeah. Uh, if you're a channel cat fisherman, because the guy, let's face it, he's good. Some of the best trips I've ever had in a boat on the red were with Brad. Yeah, me too. And uh, boy, I tell you what, that kid of his, you know, is my league partner. And we started out when the kid was, gosh, I think he was like eight. Well, put it this way, and you know, you know, Braden, you yep. know, Big D, and he was too small to bring in an anchor. I had to cast for him. Uh, he was just starting to get comfortable with a net. But I tell you what, that kid's like 11 now or whatever it is. He's working with Benson over at the tax derby place. He, um, yep. I actually he had him plaque two nice whitetail buck racks that I had shot two years ago. The kid, is his voice is getting deeper. His hair is getting longer. And the kid can cast on his own. But he's going to be the next one. Oh, um, I'm lucky. You know, I heard it for a long time. She's, what's it like having an eight-year-old kid in a partner? And I'm like, what? Big deal. You know, it's just like taking your own kid out. Just different name or whatever. But he's really turned out to be a nice young man. Oh, and um, I'm really looking forward is. to the next couple of years. Hopefully, he can put up with me. Well, and, you know, he's uh, more than dabbling in this uh, oh, yeah. taxidermy oh, business. He's all in. And, uh, you know, he's a student at Sacred Heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a display up near the art department. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you look at, at, at the stuff that, that he's done, and taxidermy is definitely an art form. Oh, for sure. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's done just some beautiful things up there. Yeah, um, I, I can't wait to see more of his work uh, as time goes on. Tell you what, we're going to take just a, a little bit of a break here right now, but uh, we'll be back with Rob Horkin in just a minute. You know, I want to talk about CNH Insurance over in East Grand Forks guys have been around a long time and and they started with the goal of building an agency with the highest of principles personalized attention and service this is their concept to this day that's their priority they strive to give everyone who walks through their doors special attention and of course the best customer service possible their agents have over 50 years of combined insurance experience and they're licensed in minnesota north dakota and arizona too hey for all your insurance needs justin jody or tammy Call them up, 218-773-0287, or you can swing by uh, 1427 Central Avenue Northwest over at East Side. You know, Grant Fork's best source, our insurance, goes through CNH Insurance. Maybe you should think about doing the same thing, all right? CNH Insurance at East Grand Forks, Rob Horkin, a.k.a. Ernie the Angler on the show today. Um, how did the Ernie the Angler thing come up i mean did you just one night have a dream and said you know what i'm going to come up with this this new character and i'm going to call him ernie well actually it's a little bit of a longer story than that we got time man (laughs) (laughs) we had a uh, cameraman at the station that was an avid fisherman okay and once a week he would go to devil's lake and spend the whole day there with one of the local uh fishermen Mm -hmm. and uh They'd talk about how to tie knots and how to do spinners and all that sort of stuff. And and it didn't generate any revenue. Okay. So my boss at the time said, we're not going to do that anymore, which is pretty typical. Sure, I mean, sure. I mean, you give it a shot, yeah. you know, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So anyway, we're at uh, a sales meeting one day, and this was a few days after that announcement came down. But I said, you know what? We've got some great fishing spots here. I mean, we've got Devil's Lake. Mm-hmm. We've got the Red River, we've got Bemidji area lakes, and the Park Rapids area, and all, all, all these different spots. Yep, Maple Lake, Union, Lake, Lake Sarah. Of the Woods. Mm-hmm. And I said, how about if we picked four of those and went and sold a sponsorship up there? They would sponsor yep. their part of the report. And uh, boss said, 
have at it. So anyway, I went up to Lake of the Woods and I scored with uh, the Sportsman's Lodge and uh, went to uh, Devil's Lake and had uh, Woodland Resort Mm -hmm. and, you know, a number of different sponsors throughout the years. But probably the most important sponsorship that I ever landed was with Northland Fishing Tackle. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you want to talk about a great company. If you're a a fisherman around here, you know who these guys are. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I went up and I met with... uh, with uh, Dwayne Peterson, one of the yep. two boys. And uh, Dwayne said, well, he said, you know, our advertising is all carved in stone for the whole year yep. already. But he said, at the end of the season, if you'll bring me a tape with a number of your shows on it, you know, we'll consider it for next time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, uh, I finished the season out and put some stuff on a videotape and shot it over to Dwayne and about two days later, he called up and he said, we want in. Yeah. I said, hallelujah, I'll be up with the paperwork tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So I packed up everything that I needed and headed up there. And and uh, we sat down and he signed the papers and I stuck them in my file. And I said, you know what, Dwayne? I said, you know, you sponsor, you know, people like Mark Martin mm-hmm. and Gary Roach. And I mean, all of these Top the bigs, fishermen, the bigs back then, yeah, the big boys. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Why do you want to mess around with a little guy like Ernie the Angler?" And he looked me in the eye and he said, "Because you are the farthest thing that I've ever seen from a professional fisherman." <laughs> I said, "Is that supposed story. to be a compliment or what?" <laughs> he said, "It is because he said, you know what we're doing as an industry, Ernie is is we are teaching our kids." That they need to have a fifty thousand dollar boat, right? Right. All of these this electronics, mm-hmm. and we're basically teaching them that they can't afford to go fishing. Sure, sure. And he said, "We're shooting ourselves in the foot." And he said, "What your job is in the fishing industry is to get a kid sitting on the end of the dock with a hook, a bobber, and a worm, yeah, and learn to love fishing, so that they'll grow up." And they'll buy all the stuff, but he said, people entering the fishing market are just not what right. they used to be. And the de- uh, decline, I think, is even still going on today, yeah. John. Yeah. You know, I, I talk to a lot of them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call them old timers uh, around here, and I'm getting to be an old timer now, too. But, uh, oh, by the way, if we could find any Ernie the Angler stuff, I don't know if there's still anything out there, but I'd love to play a clip. I run into so many what I'll call old timers that grew up fishing along the red or the Red Lake River, uh, they all had their spots. They'd take their nuts and bolts and spark plugs or whatever they had for weights and sinkers, and, and they would go live down. And I was a river rat growing up, too. I'm from Thief River Falls, but um, yeah. it, it's, it, it was so much fun. But the Ernie part, now you and I talked about, because obviously my real name's not John Roberts, and, and a lot of people know my real name, as you do, but yeah. where did Ernie come from? Is it like a middle name? Is it just something you dreamt up? Well, you know, when I first presented the idea uh, to the station manager, he said, well, he said, the airtime is going to come out of sports. Mm-hmm. And the sports already had maybe three minutes to get all the scores yeah. and all that they, sort of They stuff. always get the, the short end of the stick. Right. So anyway, he said, meet with Pat Sweeney and tell him your idea and mm-hmm. see what he thinks. So anyway, I met with Pat Sweeney and I told him my idea. And he said, I think that's a great idea. But he said, you're the man. And I thought, what? You're going to do the show. <clears throat> I said, well, okay. And he said, I, I, I said, I really don't want my name to be Rob Horkin on the show. Sure, right. said, I don't want to get all kinds of midnight phone calls mm-hmm. complaining about why yep. people didn't catch fish. Right, right. So anyway, we went back and forth, and uh, he talked about a character on the Letterman show called uh, Gordy the Gardener. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, I'll, you know, I had a couple of relatives and a very dear friend named Ernie. Okay. That had already passed. Uh-huh. And I said... How about Ernie the Angler? Pat said. And, and it's, I mean, more people know you as Ernie oh, than I think Rob. Even, even today. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you ever go anywhere and, and you're with the missus and they say, hey, Ernie, how you doing? Does she ever do the old, Pretty much here you go again. <laughs> you know, and I've had this conversation before, too. If I'm ever anywhere with my wife and I say, well, excuse me, I'm going to go use the restroom. Oh, great. I'll see you in a half hour. 
because yeah. from here to the restroom and back, you run into 20 people you know, and they want to talk to Ernie the Angler and see how he's doing. But it, it's kind of a curse, but it's really neat. Well, you know, it is really neat. And probably my first experience uh, with that sort of attention was um, my kids were playing uh, basketball in New Folden. Okay, yep. And small little town. And uh, at any rate, I'm just dressed as myself. Yep. And uh, a little kid came up to me and he said, excuse me, sir, are you Ernie the Angler? And I said, <laughs> yes, I am. And the kid said, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> New Folden just erupted. <laughs> I I, I signed popcorn bags and boxes. And like they thought Reba McIntyre was in town. Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> it was just crazy. But, you know, I, uh, that, that opened a lot of, a lot of sure. opportunities, too. And one of the things that, uh, that I really like to do was programs in schools. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I do a kids' fishing seminar. Sure. I, I really concentrated a lot on, uh, on reading programs mm-hmm. just because of the situation I was in as a kid right, growing right. up. And uh, one of the rewarding things was uh, I was doing a, uh, a reading uh, clinic, I think, in, I think it was Strandquist. Okay. Yep, yep. Boy, you're really up into that northwestern oh, Minnesota oh, yeah. stuff, aren't you? Yep. But anyway, I'd always make the kids take the Ernie Pledge. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. I'd say, raise your right hand, and they'd all raise their right hand, and I'd say... I promise to read an extra five times a day. Oh? And I'd, I'd hear, oh, no. And I'd say, you know what? It can be the back of a cereal box. Sure. It can be a baseball card. It doesn't have to be a novel, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, at any rate, a couple of years later, I'm at, uh, I'm at a uh, uh, basketball game, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, again. And... This kid ran up, all grown up now, pretty much in high school, and they said, Ernie, I'm still doing it five times a day. (laughs) Really? uh, There is a God out there. And and tell me how good of a a feel-good situation is that. Oh, it was great. You know, some guy you made up on TV and you're you're, you're hoping somebody gets it. Just, just touch just, all you need is a little kid. bit of it. Yep, yep. And, and that is incredible. Uh, Dale, the producer, seems to think we might have something here. Let's see if we can check this out. I've got a fishing rod just like that one, by the way. All right, what is this? I don't think it's me. No, I don't think this is. Oh, oh yeah, it is you. You're, you're just out having fun fishing. It's funny how everything gets to be Ernie the Angler now. Do you know who that is with the, in the boat with you? Uh, yes. Uh, that's a young man who worked for me at the station as well. Okay. Now, this is Casey's turn, so this is technically her fish, right? That, yep. that was the pole that I broke, so it's convenient. It looks like he might be a pretty decent one, too. Yeah. Gonna be just a tank. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a tank. <laughs> Did you notice I handled the net there, John? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, use yeah. the hoop. Oh, Good job, you know, the funny thing is, is all I'm looking at right now is where you're fishing, so I can go try that area. <laughs> all right. Oh, man, I tell you what, so many people don't know about catfishing here. Um, oh. You know, I, I, I run into people and then I'll say, you know, I see your boat parked in your driveway in front of your garage all summer long. Why don't you ever go out with it and why don't you ever fish? Well, cheapers, you know how much it costs now to load up and go to Devil's Lake or go to Lake of the Woods and all that. And by the time, gas and blah, blah, blah. Why don't you go down to the river? Yep. Go down. Exactly. They got great boat ramps. It's a great fishery. You don't just have. I wouldn't put my boat in that river. Why? So many people, you take them out because I love taking first-timers out, especially if they have kids. We need to keep this thing going. Uh, Like you and I talked about, we didn't have anybody to help us, but we're still doing it. And and, and we need to keep this going, but it's so much fun taking first-timers out. Uh, You catch that first one, even if it's... You take a kid out, how many kids have caught a fish over 10 pounds? Oh, you know, probably not too many of them. Probably very few. Yeah, and and to see the look on their faces. Um, this time of the year, Rob, uh, you know, I've been getting all kinds of calls from people that just don't live up here and haven't been through 
our springs that we have and people are all really worried and oh boy i heard this and that and are you guys sandbagging blah 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 i, I myself don't think this is going to be anything i don't think it, it uh, is either right and, and i don't think we'll see 40 feet but the reason i bring it up is do you remember what you were doing in 97 and, and how that all unfolded for you absolutely um we were pretty much in an area that was supposed to be totally dry. Yeah, yeah. And it really was, other than the fact that we had a basement full of water, mm-hmm. but the main level was fine. So anyway, uh, I was out helping my sister-in-law, who lives along the, the Marais, about a mile south of us. Okay. And uh, her husband was busy b- battling the flood, mm-hmm. and I was helping her sandbag and all that sort of stuff. And... Uh, it was kind of funny because uh, when they finally announced that everything had broken, time to evacuate, we had a little boat on their side of the marae, mm-hmm. and our cars happened to be parked on the other side. Oh, sure. Which, which of course. Was perfect. And uh, so we just jumped in the boat and paddled across and said our goodbyes, and we headed up to our lake cabin. Yeah. And we were there for 13 days. Wow. And... Uh, when we finally got got back, uh, you know, we uh, went into our house, of course, and there was still basement full of water. Mm-hmm. So we started pumping that out and got it to the point where I could at least go down there, you know, with with chest waders. Mm-hmm. On. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I had kids that were still in that high school type yep. area, and my daughter had just been the homecoming queen that oh wow year okay. And she said, oh, Dad, I know one thing I'm never going to get back is that signed football by all the football players. And I said, yeah, that's, that's a shame. But anyway, when I first went down the stairs, this is the God's honest truth. There was a sofa cushion floating where just the corner no, was sticking out. I know what you're going to say. And on the top of that, that corner was her football. Isn't that something? It was just a miracle. You know, I just think there are things that you, use, you just can't answer. Yeah, you use the word miracle, but I've heard a hundred stories like that. Yeah, um, where the devastation and the loss, and, and and I can remember seeing the people sitting on their front steps with their heads, you know, their their head in their hands, and and taking a break, waiting for the the Salvation Army or the Red Cross truck to come and feed you, and and. But you'd see every once in a while somebody would come out with just they basically lost everything, but they got something like a football, and how that can change the entire situation like that. And yep. there's a hundred stories out. There's a thousand stories oh, yeah. like that. You know, one of the things that I appreciated about that time was you know we like so many other people were hauling all of the junk out of our basement, mm-hmm. all of the stuff that we'd accumulated over a hundred years, and we're piling it on the berm. Yep. And uh, we had more people stop by that were, let's just say, in a different class, an yeah. upper class than what, what we were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, they'd stop by and say, hey, how's it going? Are you, are you okay and everything? And you haven't got a beer, have you? And, I mean, we were all on the same level sure. playing field. And that, sure. was, that was nice. Yeah, I got a beer if you don't mind a warm one. <laughs> <laughs> I got beer, but no electricity. How about that? Um, you uh, have been involved with Cats Incredible yep. uh, for a long time. Well, that- we, uh, Gary Christensen and I, Gary was the, the chamber uh, director at mm-hmm. the time. We had a committee formed to try to figure out how we can get East Grand Forks on the map. And uh, I don't know if it was Gary or I or probably just a combination of the two of us who said, you know, let's, let's just do a catfish tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, you could fish from a boat or you could fish from shore or you, wh- however you could do it. And uh, so anyway, we agreed that we were going to do this. And uh, the deadline to sign up was, was a Friday night. And it was in the basement of the old Legion Club, which was right along right down, the yep, river. Yep, yep, yep. So anyway, we had one person signed up when we, when we got there. We ended up having 99 people sign up for the tournament. Yeah. It was just amazing. I mean, they just poured in there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the things about East Grand Forks is that 
people don't RSVP very well at all. No. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we ended up with having a pretty decent tournament. Mm-hmm. We obviously learned a bunch of stuff, like uh, fishing from the bank is not an idea because it's way too easy to bend the rules, and I hate sure. to use the word cheat. Yeah, well, but it, it happens. But it is what it is. You and, know, you, you did put... East Grand Forks, North Dakota on the map. Because remember when Trivial Pursuit came out? And this was actually a question. What is the largest catfish tournament in the United States? And where or where is it? And the answer was East Grand Forks, North Dakota. <laughs> so they, they, they were halfway, right? Close they were halfway, enough. right? You know, and then that tournament, I mean, Rob, it just morphed into, I can remember the night when it was when it was um, um, the raffle night or, or the, the lottery night. Yeah. The bar or wherever they were going to do this at, Legions, Eagles, Clubs, whatever, was packed. I mean, packed with people waiting to hear your name, waiting and waiting. And then when your name was drawn, it was like jubilation, like we are in, just to get my ass handed to me every year. But um, (laughs) (laughs) but you're you're still pretty much involved with this tournament. I see you up there with a microphone all the time. Now, I haven't fished it in a couple of years. I'm there all the time. I don't know why I don't fish it. I'm there all day Saturday and Sunday, it seems like anyway. But you you still, that, that's something that means a lot to you. Oh, yes. I, I've been the master of ceremonies every single year, and I I think it's 31 coming up. And uh, that's been, uh, you know, probably a very rewarding thing to do. Sure. And um, one of the things that, uh, that the... Uh, uh, people seem to really like is visiting with the people who come from mm-hmm. way out of town. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've developed just some lifelong friendships with some of these old river Oh, rats absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I, I think one of the problems that we're running into is, you know, the actual number of people fishing it has been going down steadily mm-hmm. for, for a number of years. And I think part of it is that back in the day when we were getting it off the ground, I mean... We'd send, a, you know, a rep from the chamber uh, down to some sports shows and promote it, hand mm-hmm. out leaflets and everything else. And, boy, we got a lot of great people that came down. Sure. And, um, you know, this year they're having some rule changes. and so, Well, not rule changes, but schedule changes and yep. so forth. And one of which is they're not going to have a rules meeting th- this year. And that is the time when these people would get together, have a couple of beers. Plan out the, the weekend. Yep, yep. And just catch up on each other. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to turn out to be a mistake. You know, everybody seems like they're so busy now. It's like, well, we'll just do the rules meeting online. That way you don't have to come here and then go all the way back to where you're going to go to and, and things like that. But um, I, one of these days I'm going to get back in that tournament. I think what kills me the worst is – it's like the joke my neighbor tells me at the beginning of the of the show. Um, I don't have the patience. That five fish deal is so much diff, more difficult for me than a three fish tournament, uh, and I go nuts. Well, I mean, it drives me nuts. I'll be out there all day trying to catch one slot fish. Well, exactly, and you got to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. You get out and you catch a thirteen pounder, and you think, oh, yeah, I yeah. to keep that. It's only <laughs> nine in the morning, and. You know, there's mm-hmm. got to be more big ones out there, and there never is. No, well, n- never. Yeah, you usually know, that's what happens to me anyway. Yeah. Now, you still fish quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, do you fish any tournaments anymore? No. Okay. You'd just soon be on the sideline and talking I, about it. I and, would like that. And, and you know, it's funny because I do watch you on stage a lot at the Cats Incredible. Um, and it's funny because all the fishermen are different. Some, we all know this from being in the media business. Some guys, they'll dang near take the mic right out of your hand. Yep. Some guys will make their partner go up there. Some guys won't even say anything to you. But um, you get a whole different cast of characters up there on stage, don't you? Oh, boy, do I ever. And (laughs) And it all depends on the beverages, you know, during the day. Yeah. Some of these people get pretty animated. But I've had a blast just watching you interview some of these people. Oh, it's it's fun. And, you know, I, I, I keep telling the anglers during the rule meeting. I mm-hmm. say, you know what? When you're up on stage here, look at the crowd. Yeah. They don't want to look at your rear end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, turn around and talk to them and yep. smile and, and like you're having a good time. But I think sometimes they're so afraid that, you know, the, the fish are being weighed at that time. 
that it's not going to be accurate if they're not watching. Oh, I know. I know. And so anyway. Yeah, you, you staring at it isn't going to add a half pound to it. No. Believe me. No. Um, and, and since we're talking about uh, the Cats Incredible, Ruth Ann's going to be missed. I don't know. if I'm Absolutely. guessing she's going to make it up here this year for the Cats well, Incredible. I, I, I don't know. I, I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she was... She was up there for a long, long time. time. Uh, I still keep in touch with her uh, once in a while, but uh, we sure miss her. We miss yeah. her a lot. Um, you're still fishing. You're you're not far away from the fishing uh, business. Um, you, how long have you been doing the rod building thing? Because is that a new kind of a new thing for you? But um, you know, years ago, I uh, this was back in 1988. Okay, and uh, I started a business fixing fishing reels. Yeah. And uh, I tried to get you to fix some of mine. You said you weren't doing it anymore. No, I, I, I gave it. I sold yep. out. Yep. And uh, it, it just got to the point, John, where, you know, you'd get three or four reels in. And let's say you needed three parts for for each of those. Yeah. Reels. Yeah. Well, you'd get two of them. One was on back order. Mm-hmm. Goodness sakes, you never know when that's going to Pretty soon you in. got 10 reels. Eight of them are three quarters done. And Right. Yeah. And I finally said... And, and none of the parts were consistent. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I said, you know, enough of this stuff. So I uh, sold the business. And even at that time, I was repairing fishing rods. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tips and guides sure. and stuff sure. like that. And uh, I, uh, I ordered a few videos by a guy by the name of Dale Clemens. Okay. And he's probably one of the paramount instructors in uh, rod building. And... Uh, I watched those videos about a hundred times mm-hmm. and figured out how to do it and how to spine a rod and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, a lot of people don't, don't realize that there's more of a science to building a, oh, yeah. a quality rod. That's why a quality rod costs you money. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. So anyway, I've, I've built hundreds of them, if not thousands of them. And a lot of ice fishing rods yep. and that sort of stuff. Now and, I would imagine the ice fishing rods are a little easier to make just because of the size difference and things like that? or Well, they are to a point, but, you know, the rods that, mm-hmm. I, that I've been concentrating on, on building uh, is what I would refer to as a dead stick yep. rod, yep. Mm-hmm. where the tip is extremely flexible. Right, right. And, I mean, when a crappie bites that, I mean, you, can, you don't need a bobber or anything. No. You can just see that mm-hmm. tip go down a little bit, and you set the hook. Um, they've been very, very popular, but... When you deal with something that is that flimsy, tying the guides on oh, yeah. is definitely more of a challenge mm-hmm. than on a big, stiff catfish rod. Mm-hmm. Sure it is. So anyway, um, they're not nearly as expensive as a regular yep. custom-built rod. but and, uh, and, and you know, we know, too, as we get older, Rob, um, our eyesight gets better. We don't shake as much. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff that's, <laughs> you know, really important when it comes to building rods. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you what. There's there's a lot of those little rods where I get awfully close to. Oh, where I, you know, I, I have to take my glasses off to tie lures or to make leaders or any of that kind of stuff. But I have such a hard time. Um, I, I take my glasses off to read or anything, but I can't see you across the table if I don't have them on. Yeah, it's just you know, twenty five, twenty years ago, I never had to wear glasses. Yeah. I could do whatever I wanted. The future for Rob Horkin, are you, are you happy doing what you're doing am, now, Rob? I'm, Would you change anything? I wouldn't change a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got all of my grandkids in town. Nice. And uh, as a matter of fact, we've got a softball game this afternoon. Oh, th- are they going to start playing finally around they here? They are. Awesome. Yep. And uh, I, I golf, and uh, I've got some great friends, and... Uh, it's, you know, we've got a, just a heck of a fishing resource right in our backyard. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, if I want to take an afternoon and go fishing, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a big deal. Right, right. And uh, so anyway, yeah, I'm, life is just great. You know, there's so many times uh, I've wanted to go fishing, but it's a lot easier when you have somebody with you. Yeah. Uh, and there's so many times that I can't find anybody to go out in the boat for a couple hours. So oh, Call me. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, it, because there's times you want to go out there. Uh, especially when you're coming up on tournament time and things like that. The more time spent on the water, it, you know, the better it is. But I got one more question for you now, Rob. Okay. Rob or slash Ernie. Yep. When life is done, how do you, Rob Horkin, Ernie the Angler, want to be remembered? Oh, goodness sake. As an honest man, 
a fair man, a man who really, uh, really enjoyed the sport of fishing and especially introducing kids to fishing. Good. Good stuff. Uh, I like the kid thing. Well, you know, I ended every show with, mm-hmm. remember, don't forget to take a kid fishing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those are still words that are used by so many people today. This has been when, when I, I, it was so weird how this happened because I've known you now for quite a while. Yeah. And, and I've known your history. I didn't know it all, obviously, like I do after today. But, um, and I thought, why haven't I had him on our show? Everybody knows him. Everybody, not everybody knows your history and all that stuff, but um, I can't believe it took me three years to realize that I haven't had Rob Horkin on my show yet. I know you've been with Brad on the fishing show, but um, I, we sure appreciate you coming in. Uh, it's been, it's I, been I mean, my, my pleasure, John. I mean, you are an icon in Grand Forks and East Grand Forks. There's no doubt about it. And um, I can't wait to spend a little time with you in the boat this year. That'll be a hoot. Oh, man, what a great time. What a great time. Rob Horkin, thank you very much for coming in. Uh, by the way, today's show was brought to you by Muskox. Hey, if you move snow with a skid steer, you've got to see the muskox difference. A patented back drag feature allows operators to blow snow while back dragging in front of obstructions. You know, garage doors, siding, and fire hydrants. Now this saves time and money while lowering injury risk by decreasing manual labor. The optional dual auger, called the dually, helps the operator eat through big snowfalls, ice-crusted snow, and blow more snow while back dragging. And the glide plate, it allows you to glide over grass and gravel without ripping up the soft surfaces. Subsequently, create an instant torque of the lower cutting edge to break up snow and ice to better expose hard surfaces. See the muskox difference. Go to muskox.com or Facebook at muskox snowblowers or call 218-288-1905. See the difference for yourself. It's the muskox difference. All righty, the Great Reset is back tomorrow with David Waterman with the Midwest Public Health Coalition. We're going to be talking about Well, sneaky politicians, gun control, viruses, vaccines, and all that fun stuff. Make sure you tune in at 11 o'clock, all right? Common Sense Uncensored with Kid is on at 1 o'clock today. Enjoy her show. I guarantee it's going to be a good one. Everybody remember to like, share, tag, and follow us. Hit that notification bell on your smartphone. You'll never miss a show. Thanks again to Rob Horkin for coming in. Thanks for uh, Dale, the producer, for bringing you a great show today. Uh, we all know the Grand Cities is a wonderful place. Well, Grand Fork's best source is giving it an identity again. <laughs>